The first thing that came to mind was you can't have 60 priority ones. There's not enough money in the local government or the county government. There's not enough grants. You don't have enough time to go after 60 priority ones. You really have to spend time prioritizing through what you're going to be looking at. And you have to, as part of that, you have to understand what your needs are in your communities, what the stakeholders are interested in, what the stakeholders are willing to support. And you also have to have a good understanding of what grants are available and what are some of the parameters around those grants. So it's really important to spend some time identifying what your priorities are. That particular client, seven years later, I had people asking me, how did they get so much money? How did they get so many projects done? And the answer was they prioritized them. So every year we would focus on four grants. Seven years down the road, that's 28 projects. That's how you, that's how you have to work at the local county level to be able to develop a good, strong public funding strategy. Do you ever get the feeling that grant applications are like a shot in the dark? Do you want to increase your confidence that you are investing your energy in the right place? Most of us, no, I dare say all of us, have gaps in our knowledge of grants, only because the field is evolving so fast. At PCC Local Time, we invite guests who are willing to share what they know. And today we have nothing short of a masterclass. Our guests come from three distinct backgrounds and perspective. Dr. Beverly Siegler, Professor Emerita at Penn State University in Public Policy and Administration, begins our discussion with highlights from a recent study on management priorities in local government in Pennsylvania. She centers us on the type of grants that are available to address these priorities and how to ready your municipality to begin the process of application. John Miserak joins in by giving us an understanding of how the process looks from inside state agencies who are grantors. Now Director of Planning and Development with Dawood Engineering, John has built his career working with grantees from inside public funding agencies and private sector firms. He helps us deepen our understanding of the process and how to build successful strategies for long-term funding. David Kratzer, prior to joining McNeese Strategic Solutions Group as a managing consultant of Keystone Municipal Solutions in 2022, was a professional municipal manager and also student of Dr. Ziegler's, by the way. With a, he had a strong, with a strong focus on innovative solutions for local government. He comes to our discussion with an inside perspective on the challenge of municipal management and helps us cut through the maze with a razor-sharp eye for what he now sees from the consultant side. Check out the show notes for more information on our guests. Let's begin by hearing what Dr. Ziegler has to say. Hi, everyone. I'm going to play off of a study that I did the analysis and the writing for that was just published in April, sponsored by the Crossway Institute and the Burroughs Association for Pennsylvania, and also from experiences giving speeches every two years to the Mayor's Association and what their interests are relative to this topic. The first, the Burroughs Association, they do what's called a management priority survey. And the last one was done last year, and it goes to all first and second class townships, all boroughs, all third class cities, everything in omits is like Philly and Pittsburgh, any unit, 2,500 population or higher. So it, it, it covers everything. And they share their results with all the 
municipal associations and local governments. This survey had a 42% response rate. The last one done in 2017, response rate was in the mid sixties. I think the difference was this one was all online. The other was paper and online, but that those are still very good results. And just make a few points from that. One, for both of those surveys, the top priorities by the local governments in Pennsylvania were infrastructure, number one, obtaining grants, number two, community and economic development, number three, and then a specific kind of infrastructure, storm management, number four. And this was consistent across both surveys. And for all types of governments, just everything across the board. So everybody's really interested in infrastructure and how to get the money to do that. And the good news out of that is there's always lots of money. The federal government every year spends $500 billion in grant money. The states collectively over $100 billion in grants, uh, which are easier to prepare for and have quicker turnaround. Foundations, about $70 billion. Even though it's mostly for nonprofits, local governments can partner for a lot of those grants. So there's always lots of money. Secondly, there's enormous money from the stimulus funding that we've had during the pandemic. And of course, the once in a lifetime or actually once in a generation infrastructure funding, which I'm sure some of my colleagues here in the panel will talk about. So there was a lot of money and it covers the gamut of what local governments do. There's big money in justice, transportation, economic development, emergency management, telecommunications. The hottest areas right now, I think, are emergency, preparedness, response, and mitigation, public safety improvements. Economic development, especially things like smart cities for counties, election security, cybersecurity, the digital divide, anything in homeland security and emergency management. The infrastructure bill has many more categories than people realize. It's not just roads and bridges. And there's a big push for green energy and for utilities. So there's a lot of money out there. The bad news is I was astounded both for the 2017 study in Pennsylvania and the 2021 study, human resources is next to last on the list out of 16 priorities that the managers were asked about. And that's just hard to comprehend, especially now in light of trouble finding staff and especially for infrastructure, everybody's worried about Who's, who's going to do all this infrastructure? And of course, any Pennsylvania survey also shows up a lack of capacity because we're a state of small government. So we've got technical and managerial and fiscal and all kinds of other capacity problems, which makes it tough to compete for grants and for implementing major projects. A lot of grant, even though there are a lot of formula grants, there are also a lot of competitive, grant, competitive grants, especially now with the infrastructure bill coming on. And it all comes down to the strength of your proposal is going to get you a grant. And that includes objective criteria and subjective criteria. 
And some of that money will be direct money to local governments. A lot of it's passed through the state. So you really have to understand how to deal with both levels to get a grant. And I think that the, the big issue for Pennsylvania governments is to be grants ready. And by grants ready, you have to start with establishing a need. And to make it through a grant application, you have to detail your problem, the causes, what needs you want to address, all the traditional who, what, when, where, how questions. But you need a team to do that. And many local governments don't have bare bones staff. So how you get the team, you have to prepare. It takes longer than ever, I think, to get a grant. And that's largely because the national government, where most of the money is, has moved away from paper applications. Many programs won't even accept a paper application. You have to do it electronically. And it's very complex and getting tougher all the time. And I'll say a few more words about that. You also have to play and plan for your matches. Often the grant programs are 20 to 30% local match and that's part of the capacity problem but where do you get that money basically you have to partner often you have to collaborate with other units and that's very tough to do and you have to really be informed constantly knowing where to go to, to get this information and even if you write a good grant that grant has to show that you know how to evaluate whether you're successful or not so you need evaluation criteria. Just a couple points about some of the things I've said. On applications, I think one of the biggest hurdles now, even if you are a government that has capacity, is the whole electronic application process. In April of this year, the big changes were made in terms of your application and getting an identifier. A couple years ago, big changes were made in the grants management system and the payment system for grants. So the level of detail that you need is, is, for an application is really immense and you have to start early. There's a great, greater need than ever for statistical detail, which means you really have to have your act together. You have to know where to go. You have to know how to access that information in-house fairly quickly. And in terms of applications, you have to remember that everybody wants this money. It's more competitive than ever. And computers score your application before human eyes ever see your application. And there are just a lot of boxes on that application that you have to have the fullest amount of information and the best persuasive arguments you can make in terms of those boxes to get the points to get you to be seen by human eyes. The sheer volume of applications is astronomical right now. So everybody's applying, only a few get funded. And when do you start worrying about the need to be funded? Yesterday or months ago or several years ago. But you really have to work hard to get to the point where you're going to be competitive much, much longer than in the past. I have a quote here from Ben Franklin in the in the 1700s. He said, a failure plan is a plan to fail. 
And I'm sure that managers live by that kind of information. So the more prep, the more preparation, the more detail pays off. So what do you have to do? You have to organize a team. That's hard to do if you have, if you don't have a team in place, you have to identify projects. You have to figure out who and how to collaborate to maximize your resources. You got to include the public there. The survey that I did shows you really have to work with local officials. Another finding was I found disturbing in the, both of the management priority surveys is that while people have, while communities have comprehensive plans and zoning ordinances and so on at high levels, the updating of them is not so good. So things are 10 years old, 15 years old no plans to do anything. And the local elected officials often don't have any idea of what the status is. So those are things that you have to fix and have that in place if you ever want to start planning strategically to to get some of the money. Now, one of the things that I think is important right now is that at least the Biden administration is attempting to offer more help than in the past, I think, to smaller governments, especially the more rural governments. They've got, for example, an infrastructure czar. They've got some pilot programs to help smaller governments. They're putting out some pretty good-looking handbooks and websites. In terms of state agencies, you're still pretty much dealing with your individual agencies for grants. An idea that I'll throw out that maybe we could talk about is a circuit writer approach to grant writing. It's something that when I lived in North Carolina, actually in the 1980s, we were able to get the colleagues down there, the Council of Governments, transformed themselves and became grant writers for bundles of local governments. And it's worked out well. And I'm sure if you compare North Carolina which has a lot of small governments to a lot of other states, they do better because of that kind of help. Pennsylvania has not done that. COGS legally now can apply for money, but very few of them do. The local governments, we only have a few strong COGS. They don't work through their COGS, but it's possible for two or three local governments maybe to have one branch person that would work for them. And then there's the whole area of consultants who we have some on the panel that we could talk about some points, pointers for working well with consultants. So I'll close it for there and see where we go. Thanks. Yeah. Bev, as you were moving through there, I just was thinking there, and maybe Dave can respond to this. It doesn't seem to me that managers are going to be versed on all of those areas of grant preparation. That sounds to me like a pretty steep learning curve. Do you think, Dave? Yeah, I would agree with that, Nancy. And again, I'll talk a little bit about just my change in perspective, being on the other side and sitting in the seat that I sat in previously. Dr. Sigler's absolutely correct. The necessity for sort of a team approach uh, is, is critical given the extent of functional expertise and capacity that's necessary in order to be be competitive. And one of the things that, that my remarks were going to hit on is it's common for municipality to attempt to rely on its internal capacity, think that they have sufficient capacity in order to check all of those boxes in order to be successful. And that it's very often that they're obviously engaging with their 
legislative delegation as well, their legislators and leaning on the legislators to help shepherd them through the process when it gets to that point in the process. Those obviously internal capacity is important and the support of your legislative delegation is important, but they're only pieces of a successful team. And uh, there's other pieces that are necessary. Obviously, John's doing great work for his clients in terms of providing technical support. And one of the things that, that I've gained an appreciation for with this transition that I'll speak a little bit more about is really the value even in engaging a government affairs professional to help shepherd the grant through the process. Working with a number of government affairs folks now in my current capacity, I don't know that I really truly appreciated the value that they can bring to, to a successful process. And so, yeah, I think uh, to your point, there's a lot of expertise that's necessary in order to be successful. And too often folks don't want to admit that they maybe don't possess that, that capacity in order to check all those boxes. Yeah. And John, maybe you could go ahead and respond to what Bev has to say, and also just give a little bit more information about what you bring to a team when you give advice. And for real quick, just to give you a little bit of perspective in the group here, my, my background is I, I cut my teeth working at local level and worked in the communities in Pennsylvania. And from there, I went to the state. So I've been on the other side of this, which is actually on the side of working with grantees to identify projects and work through evaluating their grant applications. I chaired the state's interagency team on land use under Governor Ridge and Schweiker and then under Governor Riddell. And that was an effort, there was an effort there to try to help coordinate more grant funding going out for infrastructure and facilities and projects that are out there. So I've been on the other side of this at the state level where I was working as a grantor to communities. And then the last 15 years have been working across the nation, helping communities with being able to access public funding, both at the state and, and federal in a number of states across the country. I always tell the story, one of the first clients that I ever talked to when I left the state, I got in there and, and there was a newly elected group of officials and they said, we really want to start thinking about public funding. And I said, okay, great. And they, so they said, here's our 60 priority one projects. So the first thing that came to mind was you can't have 60 priority ones. There's not enough money in the local government or the county government. There's not enough grants. You don't have enough time to go after 60 priority ones. You really have to spend time prioritizing through what you're going to be looking at. And you have to, as part of that, you have to understand what your needs are in your communities, what the stakeholders are interested in, what the stakeholders are willing to support. And you also have to have a good understanding of what grants are available and what are some of the parameters around those grants. So it's really important to spend some time identifying what your priorities are. That particular client, seven years later, I had people asking me, how did they get so much money? How did they get so many projects done. And the, the answer was they prioritized them. So every year we would focus on four grants. Seven years down the road, that's 28 projects. That's how you, that's how you have to work at the local county level to be able to develop a good, strong public funding strategy. And then sooner or later, when you look back after a couple of years, you'll start to see those successes and those successes breed more success. Funding agencies are looking for projects that are going to get implemented and they're going to look for projects that they can showcase. And local governments and county governments that successfully implement the projects that they have proposed usually are looked upon favorably for the next grant when they start to go after it because they have a history of being able to use the money correctly, use the money effectively, and really get a project done. In the last two com companies I've worked for. I worked for an engineering firm. I'm not an engineer. People ask me why I'm working for an engineering firm. And the answer is <clears throat> because 
the engineering firm brings a lot of the information that is necessary for you to be successful. You need to take a look at the feasibility of what a project is going to entail. Just because you have a problem that you're trying to address or an issue you're trying to address doesn't necessarily mean that what you think is going to be able to do that is going to be feasible. And having an engineering firm or having your engineer, your municipal engineer, look at the feasibility, understand what the definition of that project is going to be. And putting some things such as cost estimates behind it, understanding what the regulatory approval process is needed for this, understanding what the timeline is going to be, even having some things such as some conceptual designs are important for you to be able to tell your story to the people that you need to tell it to. Dr. Sigler also mentioned about data, being able to quantifiably and qualitatively through data tell the story and define what the impacts of that project or the benefits of that project are going to be if it's able to be implemented are also critically important to have all that information before you're ready to go apply for the grant. You don't want to be in the process of the timeline and the clock ticking, trying to get a grant taken care of by two o'clock on June 30th, 2022. And you're working in the next, in the last two weeks, trying to get that, that information together. You really want to have that information set up so that you understand what your project is and that you're able to communicate, as Dave just mentioned, to your stakeholders, including your legislative delegation. It's really important for you to be able to communicate that information and that data with those individuals, with the funding agencies, long before the application period starts or the gun goes off. And now you're under the time crunch of having to take care of working towards getting the application done. Some of the grant applications that we all work in, which you'd be surprised, some do not have a very long activ activity period. Some can be as less than 30 days from start to finish. Some of those, you don't know when the date's going to start and all of a sudden the announcement comes out and you have 30 days to try to work through that. The best thing you can do is be prepared ahead of time. I think it, what Dr. Sickler started off with by saying being prepared is really what needs to happen. You want to already have the project identified and developed so that you can be able to really put together a quality application that can be successful in securing the, the, the funding. Mm -hmm. Those are all excellent points, John. And believe me, I have made this mistake recently in this last year. So I think going through that, what you describe is exactly what I learned. And, uh, and it can be difficult if the project isn't quite realized in your mind. So I'm going to go back to some conversations you and I have had. You've got this sort of general vision idea of what you want to see happen, but you don't really have it nailed down in terms of how it should look as a project. So walking through what's possible and where do you go to get those funds? I think these are all questions that somebody who's not experienced in going after state or federal funds, they don't even know really where to start. So. Yeah. If you could say a little bit more about that. I will tell you that I had a, I had a client several years ago. We, uh, we sat down with a program manager for a very specific grant and went over the project. And after we got done talking with them and briefing them and, and receiving some really good feedback, they, they said to me later on, does everybody know about this? They were surprised that you could actually communicate with the program agencies. You're, you know, you've got a department, place I used to work, Department of Community Economic Development has regional representatives that you can you can call on and help them help with being able to understand where the grants are, what the various funding sources are, some of the requirements that may need to be met so that you could be at least considered and hopefully be uh, successful in, in being able to do that. That's some of the services that, that we provide. 
uh, to our clients. I'm sure Dave, as he goes through and talk, will say the same thing of what they, what he does from the private sector side, that we can help fill some of those voids and help answer some of those questions because we've been working in those programs with various clients over the years to be able to do that. I think that understanding that line of communication is really important. I, as a grantor, I remember that applications would just come in totally blind that we didn't even know were coming in. And a lot of times those projects will come in and they have a lot of questions that need to be answered that could have been answered during maybe a meeting or a conversation prior to the applications period starting to open up and would have made those applications a little bit more competitive out there so that they could be successful. So I, I think that making sure that you have communication with the funding agencies and attending their training sessions. A lot of times the Department of Community Conservation Natural Resources has annual training for their grant programs. Attending those grant, attending those training programs and really being able to, being able to provide some connectivity with those program managers to understand what the priorities are going to be this year, what the requirements are going to be this year, and being able to have your, answer, your questions answered before the application period opens up is really important. So gathering that information early on is important. And again, I say this and Dave, I'm sure is going to touch on this as a former manager. I always look at it coming from a local government perspective that we were always dealing with the parking dog, with the neighbor who was upset, the other neighbor blew leaves on their property, that there's a pothole in the middle of the street, that you have an elected official that's calling and asking for certain things. And a lot of times the local government officials really have to deal with a lot of day-to-day -day stuff and being able to find a professional that can potentially help you at certain levels is definitely a, a, an option for local governments and county governments to try to help them be able to get some of that information or fill, fill those gaps where they're not sure what programs are open, when those programs are open and what those priorities are, because the things that keep them busy day-to-day -day are things that Dave and I can't do in the current jobs that we have. We can't be that person that's sitting there answering the phone, complaining with somebody who's got a concern or a comment regarding a sewer bill or the neighbor's dog's barking or whatever that may be. So being able to get some professional help on certain types of projects and programs is, a, is an option for local governments to help build that capacity. Mm -hmm. I'd like to ask a sticky question that I think is on some people's minds and I'd just like to hear anyone's response. It, it reminds me of what you're saying, John, just about having some professional sort of to help you walk you through this process. But something else that Bev said was just that this computer is going to screen applications right off the bat, that there's there seems to be a higher threshold that you have to meet to even be considered. And I want you to respond to this. Is getting grants about who, does that play some part? And if it does, what does that mean? No, I don't know that's, I don't know that's accurate. I think it's about networking and understanding who the stakeholders are that you need to be working with. There are certain programs that are out there that require a lot more involvement. And Dave can certainly touched on this that involve a lot more connectivity with the legislative delegations. And there's, uh, there are projects and so forth that really, they're a part of the process and the, the caucuses in their, both the house and the Senate, the state level are involved in the process of evaluating the grant applications and supporting those applications. It's not so much, it's not really who do you know, or you have to know somebody to be able to do that. It's to understand what, how critical each stakeholder is involved in a project so that you're maximizing the connectivity with them and you're leveraging their support that they, that you can work with. 
a lot of times, a lot of times people will forget letters of support of key public private sector entities that may benefit from a project. I worked on a project a number of years ago for a federal grant that we ended up having about 192 letters of support that it, that was basically every business that was going to benefit from this new transportation project wrote a letter of support. All the local government officials, it was a multi-municipal, multi-county type project. Those letters of support were critical when we were talking to the governor of Pennsylvania at the time, Governor Rendell. We were able to demonstrate on letterheads that all these key stakeholders were involved in the process of shaping this application. And it showed the governor that that they had done some due diligence in pulling all those key stakeholders together. So I think it's more about understanding who the key stakeholders are that are going to be involved or impacted by the project and really working to gain their support for your project at more so than just, hey, do you know somebody that could do that grant? I don't know that's necessarily a, a true statement. I think what John has said is really important. I don't think, if you say who implies sneakily going by the rules and getting something, but the networking is really important. And I think one additional point related to that is that the people that you know can really help you build partnerships uh, and they can help you leverage funds because you often need those matching funds. I'm on the board of trustees of my undergraduate Donald Lauder, and they're real good at applying for grants, but they really do work with and network with local elected officials, state officials, former officials, former elected officials, because those people know where to send them to get help. Hmm. And that's really important for them. It cuts the search process. That's excellent advice. All, both of you, it's, I really appreciate all of that. And Dave, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you take the baton here and just take us through what you are thinking about today with respect to obtaining grants at the local government level. I'd be happy to, Nancy. And a lot of what I'm going to say is quite frankly redundant. It's coming at the end and we have two really strong professionals that are experienced in on this process. Again, some of the things that I was thinking about coming into the session and some of the tips and tricks, if you will, in guidance to the extent that I'm in a position to offer guidance was much of what's been said. So things like embracing a team approach, as we talked about the importance of starting early, the importance of engaging folks to help tell the story. And my prior comments that I talked a little bit about engaging a government affairs professional. And again, the extent or the need of that is, is to John's point, depends on what program you are seeking funding for. One of the programs that, um, and I'll show ignorance in terms of my own past lack of understanding of a program that we do a fair bit of work with here through community networking resources is the RCAP process, which is one that is heavily dependent on the legislative delegation, one that's really fragmented from even from a process standpoint. So it's obviously RCAP with an acronym that I had been exposed to and familiar with in, in terms of the work that I was doing, but truly didn't understand sort of the process. So to have people like the CNR team, people like John, to be able to advise on what that process looks like and what you need to do in order to be successful through that process was something that was new. Again, my perspective on some of these programs has changed by virtue of being on the other side. 
and being part of the team to help the story, tell the story for, for the client. As John said, success sort of breeds success. So I had a note here about making sure as part of that storytelling, obviously that you're highlighting past success. And when you're highlighting this past success, you're instilling confidence ultimately in the funder. I think that's, I think that's important. As John said, engaging in a pre-application process with the agencies, I think that's critically important. There's resource being allocated to these programs. The folks that are working in these programs want these programs to be successful. They want them to be competitive. They want the pro projects that are resulting from the resources that are allocated to the funding to, to be successful and, and demonstrate the value of the work that, that they're doing. And so I think engaging the agency folks in pre-application discussions is critically important. And I think by virtue of that, not to imply that anything inappropriate would happen during those discussions, but it does provide you with an opportunity to gain some sort of inside information, inside baseball information, if you will, to a certain extent prior to submitting an application. And it's part of your information gathering process, as Dr. Sigler said, that it's important to have your internal data ready. And there's folks that can do that within your own team and folks that externally can help you with that. But by engaging those funders, you're also getting external data and external information that ultimately will be beneficial for, um, for your application and result in success with the application. And then finally, and before we get into a broader discussion, as both John and Dr. Sigler pointed out, the importance of looking for partners and those uh, partnerships can come in a lot of different forms. They can come in terms of private sector partnerships, multi-municipal partnerships, as Dr. Sigler mentioned, through re regional organizations like, like a CAPCON, through your legislative delegation. There's just so many potentials when you start thinking about who could potentially benefit from the initiative you're trying to put forth or the project you're trying to advance. Looking for partners is important. And again, being ready and starting the process as soon as possible is, is critically important from my perspective for success. Yeah, I just build on what Dave just said of the RCAP program that he was referencing is just, it's a really perfect example. As he was indicating, it's a great, per perfect example of why you can't start when the application period begins. That program itself requires legislative authorization of a program in the capital budget, which occurs every two years. There's a partnership that is from a key stakeholder with your legislator that you need to have be able to do that. Then when you have a period when the application opens up and go through the process of submitting that, that's an also an involved process with the, with your legislators and being able to prepare the application for that. So that was a great example that Dave gave is of you can't wait until it's time to apply. Because if you go to apply and you don't have a line item, you're not eligible under the program. So you have to know ahead of time what your priority is and why, what types of funding sources are available so you can pre-plan for that and be ready when the application opens up. It's a great example. I'd like to ask a naive question. And I'm just, I'm speaking for managers that maybe don't come through the MPA programs or have some of the background that, that you all have and your experience. So you're now manager and your elected body is talking about some of these big projects. What is the role of a development authority that you might have? What would I be thinking about if I have either a development authority that's not really active or I'm thinking about creating a development authority? Is that somebody who's going to help me go after grants? And what can you say about the role? Of I, I can comment on that a, a little bit again, surely, John. And 
Dr. Siegler can as, as well. I think part of it, again, is to go back to John's point, some of it depends on, on, on the program in terms of the, the value of the development authority or a redevelopment authority or something of that nature. But I've seen, I've seen communities getting involved on this side of things, seeing communities leverage development authorities and redevelopment authorities to their benefit. And one example where it was a little bit contrary to what we were talking about in terms of knowing sort of the scope of a program. And again, I'll go back to the RCAP process is I've seen communities, astute communities through development authorities or redevelopment authorities essentially go after general light, light items through, through the RCAP process. And so the RCAP process, and again, not to go too much in the weeds on this, and I'm by no means an expert on this, but I'm learning more and more about it, is you can go to, as John mentioned, the capital organization bill with a very specific project, right? It could be a specific project or it can be somewhat general in nature. So some communities, for example, have used LIDITS comes to mind. They have a regional development authority where they've sought sort of general line items for general economic development projects. And so the capital itemization bill that, that John had mentioned, that once a project is listed on that sort of wish list, if you will, which is what that, that, that is, because there's more projects on that list than are possible to be funded given the level of resource. You, you have a 10-year period, basically, in which there's validity in terms of that listing. And so communities like Lidditz, communities like Warwick, and many others that, that sort of have historically utilized that program have gone through the process, obtained a general light item, and really have positioned themselves for, for lack of a better word, competitive advantage from a locational choice standpoint. So again, a lot can happen in a 10 year period. And if you have a general economic development line item for your community and you're competing against a neighboring community or a community in another area of the state, um, your ability to potentially you leverage that sort of RCAP general line item for the benefit of that development project to provide some incentive for them to make that locational choice and that investment is really something that, again, I didn't necessarily fully understand when I was sitting in the chair as manager, but have gained much better appreciation for. And again, not to focus solely on that program, but it is a tool. And to answer your question, a development authority or a redevelopment authority can be an effective conduit, if you will, in order to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, I, I would agree with what Dave says. So the development authorities can bring a level of capacity and a level of resource to a manager, to a local government to do certain things in their communities. I think, Nancy, from one of your, one of the previous podcasts, you highlighted Lower Allen Townships as an example, using a development authority there, that development authority helped to purchase a piece of property that was important to the local government, to the elected officials, to the municipal government. It was important that property be developed and that development authority was able to fill a role and be able to play a role in being able to see that successfully done as it was described by Ms. Trone in that, in, in your podcast interview from a couple of weeks ago, but there's, I've been a part of a number of projects where that authority has played a role in maybe being able to either purchase the property or own the property through a pro, through a process of development as it relates to that. In some instances, depending on the various programs, in some instances, they can be eligible applicants and help again, provide that for, for a community. I think it's important to know that Although a local government may be the entity that needs to go through and do the application and be a sponsor, there are other entities that can partner with them. You can have private sector companies that are coming in to do economic development projects that may need to do some sort of public improvement and 
access some of these grant programs by partnering with the local government. I think Dave mentioned the private sector being a role in that. And that's, I believe that's what he's alluding to is that there are opportunities at times for the private sector to play a role in partnering with the local government to be able to bring access funding for various projects and for various improvements within the communities there. So it doesn't just have to be the local government that is involved in this process. You could work with an authority at your municipal level or a regional level or even the county level that might be able to help you identify some of those funding resources and also be able to even at times access them and even potentially manage them for you. There are council governments, one comes to mind like CEDACOG, which is, represents 11 counties up in the north central part of the state. I know that they provide services to local governments where they actually help them apply for the applicant, the grants and manage the funds for them so that they can fill that void of being of the local government may have of not having enough capacity to be able to manage that while they're doing their day-to-day -day activities. Yes. Staying with the recap program, my recent experiences again been with my alma mater, which is a small college in western Pennsylvania, north of Pittsburgh. And there the college applied for the funds, but did it with incredible collaboration with the regional development authority, the county, which is Mercer County, and with the town of Greenville, PA, and with a bunch of other actors. And it was for a facility, an expansion of a building on campus. And I notice a lot of colleges doing that and universities in the state. But the, when they did their grant application, it's pretty obvious that doesn't just help the college, but it's economic development for the whole region. So you could see how that would play out and build a grant application, which, and so our discussion reminds me of a little term that's used often in management circles. I'm sure the rest of the panelists are familiar with it, but smart goals, smart meaning specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and timely. And if you're going to deal with a grant application, you've got to start with smart goals, which would solve your problem, Nancy, because specific, the first part of the smart is who, what, when, yeah. why question. And you have to answer that before you go any further, actually. And partnering and collaboration and engaging and storytelling, all of those things help you get to that specific to start your application. Do you need a grant writer or somebody steeped in the knowledge of grant writing in order to successfully execute if you're a lo local government manager? Maybe there's not one answer to that, but I am curious, once you get started on the process, who is your real professional on the nuts and bolts of that grant process. Is it realistic for the manager to execute that or are there other people who are very good at the technical, is it something an administrative or executive assistant can do? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know that there's a one-size-fits-all sort of response to that as you alluded to as you were asking the question. I, I think surely there's organizations that have the internal capacity in a variety of different roles in, in order to effectively tell the story. But again, I think as we spoke about overall, a team approach, a comprehensive team approach in helping to at least feed the content into that story is, is critically important. 
And there's a lot of pieces to that. But with this transition I'm making, I just, I stepped back and really started to appreciate just the value of a conference team approach and really the contribution that each of those members plays to, to the conveyance of a story, which is ultimately critical to uh, making sure that you're successful and, and demonstrating how you're meeting the objectives of that program. Mm-hmm. There may be, Nancy, too, there may be, as Dr. Sigler mentioned early on regarding where's the dough at and where, how do you access it? Some of the programs that are more formula-based may be something that professional staff, maybe not necessarily the manager, but maybe a department head or somebody at a level maybe a little bit lower than the manager may be able to help work through the required forms to be able to do that because it becomes an, an administrative exercise of being able to fill those forms out properly and submit those. I've come across, as Dave mentioned, I've come across local governments that have been very successful in, in grant writing. I think that they don't have a professional and I've come across them that have had got their professionals. I think it's really, it's going to be up to each, each and every local government to take a look at it and understand what the internal capacity is of their team that they have there and what the responsibilities are and really make a determination as to where can they dedicate their time? Again, when I think about it or coming from local government, adding to the team of, of maybe having a professional that could help them with various grants is an option that they may need to choose just given the day-to-day -day responsibilities that they've got as, yeah. as a manager. Yeah. And yet the manager still plays a key role as a communicator, as maybe a conductor, bringing the stakeholders together, or always being able to see the pieces that are out there and helping the flow of communication so that everybody is on board or in the loop. I see you nodding your head. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree with everything that's been said, but I'd again emphasize that it's internal capacity. Every government's different. However, the local governments that have neglected things like updating their comprehensive plan or zoning laws that are 10 or 15 years old that kind of thing are really in trouble. So just good management practice in general over the long term is one of those preps that's generally not calculated into when you think about preparation for a grant. Yeah. So the ones that have that or that are in good shape have a head start. Any other thoughts that you would like to add today before we wrap up? I would just say, based on what Dr. Sigler said at the beginning stages, I think we are in a, we are in a once in a lifetime situation where there is significant amount of resources available to move projects forward for these communities. I'm glad I heard what Dr. Sigler said about this, is that the infrastructure bill, everybody looks at the bridges and everybody looks at the roads. And they look at those high dollar amounts that have been allocated to those types of projects in there. But when you scratch away those and you start to look, there's a significant number of smaller programs that have a significant amount of dollars available for communities and for counties to be able to do projects. And those are, a lot of them are in addition to what is out there on a regular annual basis. And so for communities right now is really important for them to understand that if there was ever a time where they may be able to identify and secure and leverage public funding, now's the time. And they really have to really have to set the stage and really get their priorities set and do some of that legwork, whether it be stakeholder engagement, legislative engagement, working through figuring out what that project is. Right now is a critical time for them to be able to work through that. When you think that a lot of the local government, all the local governments and the county governments in Pennsylvania and across the country have received the American Rescue Plan Act money, 
the ARPA money. There are some places that have received significant amounts of funding to do projects like sewer, water, stormwater. Those are some of the ones that Dr. Sigler found out from her research and the paper she's done. Those are the priorities. That's a that's an opportunity, and there's a lot of money coming out of other programs that can be leveraged to be able to help address all the infrastructure needs that the community has identified in that survey that she just to give an example with the infrastructure bill, even though we've been talking about free prep and it sounds like it's too late if you're not all yesterday thinking about stuff, that money is going to be around till 2026 for infrastructure. So it's not too late for a lot of communities to get their act together. And just to give an example, Pennsylvania alone will get a hundred million dollars more between 2022 and 2026 for alternative transportation funding. That's like bike paths and trails and things like that. That's a lot of money that you can go for. It's not just roads and bridges. And for stormwater, I did some other research a while back. The state is very slow in terms of thinking of green infrastructure alternatives rather than traditional grain infrastructure. There's a lot that can be done that's not hard to get your hands on information about those opportunities. That's any community can do that. Yeah. Excellent. Dave, any last thoughts? No, I think you, as always, you did a wonderful job assembling a, two, two great experts here. And I, I just appreciate the opportunity to be part of it. I'm in awe. I think this is truly a masterclass. I really believe that. I'm going to listen to it again and take more notes. I took a lot today. I've learned so much and you compliment one another. I will encourage people to write in questions and maybe the community can entertain those questions at some future point. But I feel like this has been a very complete picture and will be helpful for people at all different levels. So I just can't thank you all enough. We will have notes. I'll add show notes with some contact information. But I think that you've demonstrated the generosity of spirit, which is out there, that if you need help, just reach out. So we all need to and all can learn from one another on this. So thank you for being here so much, all of you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Anyway. Thank you. Appreciate it.